I'm Lanny. And I'm Chud X. And this is the world as it is today. Well, hi, everybody. Thanks so much for listening again to the world as it is today. We're here to talk for a second, and things um, on this episode are a little different than usual. Yeah, we uh, we had a guest, uh, Jack Allen, from the Conspiracy or Just a Coincidence podcast. Excellent podcast. But unfortunately, due to hectic schedules and all kinds of things, Lanny was not able to make it for that that time. Right, so I am not a part of this episode that you're about to hear. Um, but we still wanted to take a moment to do a little intro because I had them, some things I wanted to mention. And also I've had a chance to listen to this audio. So, um, yeah, I have some, maybe some things to, yeah, to there, mention. There were definitely things that you would have loved to have weighed in on. Uh, you know, two, two dudes talking about feminism. Yeah, uh, I know. Uh, it was painful to not be able to speak <laughs> on that. Not that you guys were saying anything wrong, but just that I felt like I could have really enriched the yeah, conversation. You you probably wouldn't have thought anything of it if you weren't supposed to have been there. Right. But, uh, yes, totally. Well, no, actually, I kind of yell well, at podcasts yeah, sure. a lot. I mean, in a, nor- <laughs> in a normal for other podcasts. When but, I say yell at, I just mean like in my mind, talk to the people like I'm part of the conversation. But yeah, uh, Jack and I had a real great conversation. We talked about... Um, He's, he's, uh, engaged and is going to get married this year. We talked about his, uh, his future and what he sees for himself as far as, uh, raising a family and all that kind of stuff goes. It was a really great conversation. I, I, I love Jack. It was, it was just great sitting down and talking with him. But as, as we mentioned, um, you had things that you'd like to say. So we'll probably do a follow-up episode of just you and I. Yeah, I think the next solo episode we have for at least part of that episode, we can reflect on this a little bit. And I can throw in some of my two, two senses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be great. Yeah, there was um, something else that I wanted to bring up as well before. Just to say thank you to everybody who came out for the fermenting workshop yeah. this last weekend. Um, I'm just blown away that people... <laughs> join me in that place and that we all got together to learn together and it was so fun and I think 13 people were there including Monica Perez who signed up in the last minute I can't believe that she actually made it because I know she's a busy lady um honored to have her there especially after so many times of hearing her say she wants to make sauerkraut so um, I showed her how I do it and hopefully I'll hear back from her that she's been successful. Mm-hmm. Um, I started a telegram group for those people and there are awesome posts in there already of everybody showing what they did. Like I think Adam from Deborah gets red pilled posted like 20 minutes after the class that had his sauerkraut set up and, and sitting, sitting the next day, Cliff, um, he had his stuff out. He had carrots and cauliflower and sauerkraut. Um, Stephanie had her stuff out. I think Trista was talking about doing new stuff. It's just everybody seems really inspired from that talk, and that makes me very excited. So Yeah, yeah, and I got a chance to, because you recorded it. Yeah. I didn't uh, get a chance to listen to the whole thing, but I listened to some, some select points, and I thought that you did such a great job. I think that uh, I think there's a bright future ahead for doing these, these workshops online. Oh, it, was, it was more fun than I thought I could have um, online. In that setting, it was it was weird for me at first to think about having the computer in the kitchen and standing up in front of it and interacting with people in that way. But it was pretty good. And I, I can also see ways that I can improve my engagement with others um, for the next time that I 
host one. So um, in the future, the workshops, I'm going to definitely do that one again if people want to learn the beginner stuff on fermented vegetables for food preservation. But that won't be for quite a while. Maybe at the end of the season, harvest time kind of stuff. But before that, I hope I plan to do a fermented beverages workshop as well as a fermented condiments workshop, which would be uh, sauces, chutneys, salsa, that kind of stuff. And then the fermented beverages could be kvass, tapache, water kefir, kombucha, all mm -hmm. that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, your episode that I just listened to you and you and Jack was, did I, did I talk about myself too much? Yeah. Yeah. I kind of, I felt, I felt like that. I felt like you did, but I think it's also going to be pleasantly perfect because if we get some new listeners from, from Jack, um, you know, sharing that he was on, some mm -hmm. of his listeners want to come over and check out your talk with him. It gives them some context of where you're coming from if they haven't listened to our previous episodes. Yeah. If you have listened to our previous episodes, some of it is kind of rehashing, but I think yeah, you condense it pretty good. I even like told a story that I didn't really think about it as it came up, but we, I, we had just talked about it. The, the oh, previous mm -hmm. episode yeah. of the world as it is today. Right. So, you know, I apologize for any, for any, uh, retreaded water that, you know, but hopefully that's just a little bit out of that whole, what is it? An hour and a half that we talked yeah, last night. And I have a real problem with like feeling like I repeated myself. That's why we have, I don't know if we mentioned before, but we have a family joke. Whereas if any, either, <laughs> either one of us tells each other something we've, we've told them before. Like, like if Chad tells me, uh, starts to tell me a story that I know he's told me before. I always say, I know, I know. You tell me that every night before I fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. And vice versa, he'll say that to me all the time. I'm like, hey, did you know my mom used to? And he's like, I know. You tell me every night before I fall asleep. <laughs> so, yeah, you tell me every night before I fall asleep that same story. Yeah. And I, I think it's okay. I think that um, I, I don't like repeating myself, but I've, I'm finding that that's kind of inevitable when you're podcasting and you're talking to different people. Right. And in this case, like... Um, you know, I'm not sure. I never asked uh, Jack if he'd listened to our previous episodes, but, you know, he started by asking me about our our situation out here. So I started talking about that. And then I found myself probably, you know, again, saying things that we've already said on here uh, just because I was bringing Jack into the loop. I didn't want to uh, speak about things as though he knows that he, he doesn't. Um, so and, and in some ways, you know, that's something I see in this podcast in a way, not that I want to be repetitive, like we're talking about the same things, but it, uh, it really helps me to analyze things, to think about them with different people or different conversations. Sure. And uh, even when you tell a story, you might see it differently or remember parts you missed before. And, right. And it just kind of continues to evolve. I don't think that's... That's not a bad thing. I also think, again, that's the nature of podcasting because a lot of the people I hear that I like very much, if you listen to them with guests or on someone else's, you'll hear them tell the same story or repeat themselves. That's not, it's not a bad thing at all. Yeah. Especially you move through that pretty quickly and you guys talk about some interesting stuff, some uncomfortable stuff. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's really good. So I think everybody is going to enjoy this episode with... Jack Allen of Conspiracy or Just a Coincidence, also called Kojak. Kojak. Which is so cool because yeah. his name's Jack and it's Kojak, which is also a name. I mean, it's just, it makes it catchy and easy to understand. Pin Gillette did a couple episodes of Kojak. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he really did, but he says he did. <laughs> That's such a weird little tidbit. <laughs> uh, one thing we did want to mention is that Jack had sent you a message just after oh, saying yeah. there was a quote that he w wanted to mention, but he didn't think of it during the the podcast, uh, that quote was from, I think a Greek saint from like the, uh, earlier this century it says, 
What I see around me would drive me insane if I did not know that no matter what happens, God will have the last word. I think uh, if you reflect on that a little bit after listening to this episode, mm-hmm. you will agree um, actually with any of our episodes. Because, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, what we see does kind of could drive us insane. But we know that uh, God and nature, they've got it. They've yeah. got the last the last word. The, they've got, they're going to sort it all out. Exactly. It's all beyond us. Yeah. So with that. Yeah. Without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Jack Allen. All right. We're here with Jack Allen from the Conspiracy or Just a Coincidence or Kojak. Do you like calling it Kojak? Ah, oh, both work. You know, a little yeah. long looking back. That's why I'm trying to institute the, the acronym. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like it. I didn't notice it at first, but then all of a sudden I was like, oh yeah. I went to abbreviate it on my yeah. little MP3 player and I was like, Kojak. Yeah. Oh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, thank you, dude. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me on, dude. I, I like I said, you're all I met you on Adam's show. Mm-hmm. And I assumed with the beard and all these things that you are doing the the homesteading. And that's first, dude, that is so like honorable. How did, I mean, I know this is Europe, but now how did you get, how did you get here? Oh, well, um, in a, in a real short sense, I grew up, I grew up here. We're on my family's homestead. Okay. Okay. And uh, this was my grandpa's home when I was a kid wow. and I, but it was a retired farm by that time. He just had okay. a few, few cattle and a uh, big garden and okay. rented out most of his fields. And, um, then he passed away and the house had been rented out for many years. And I was always interested in doing some kind of homesteading stuff. Yeah. Um, I was always trying, but on a, on a real small scale, but then after being married and having, having my first kid, we were trying to get a little more serious about it in the place we were at, but the property wasn't really fit for it. Mm. And um, then suddenly things worked out in such a way that, uh, I said, you know, the house is still on the market. It had been for sale for a long time, okay. rented out for a long time. I said, honey, I think we might be able to get this place. If we, if we pull the right strings in the right order at the right time. And, you know, less than six months later, we moved out here and the place was completely overgrown. Uh, <laughs> like we have a nice barn and all this stuff that you can see now, but when we first, before we moved in, it was covered in blackberries, everything, Wow. It's just been nature takes things back fairly fast. <laughs> and uh, I had no equipment or anything. Yeah. I had a pair of leather gloves and a pair of clippers. And I said, I got to start cutting these blackberries somewhere. <laughs> oh my God, dude. Yeah. It was, uh, and it's been an awesome journey. It's been about three years since that. Time. Wow, dude. So awesome. How many acres you have? 26 and a half. Oh, that is so amazing, dude. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And it's, uh, it's more than I can chew for sure. Yeah. But I'm slowly learning how to chew on it. Um, a, a positive side to being too much is that, uh, like every, the, the fields were rented out for about 30 years Yeah, and they were sprayed over and over and over again by, by, um, you know, traditional farmers that, um, that see no other way. Yeah. And I think the best thing that we, that this, that has happened to this place, aside from, giving it love and care and attention on the inside of the property, the outside, we're just letting it chill. 
it's on mm. it's on its second year because there was already a contract that had been signed that a farmer had it to grow corn one more time when we first moved in and that was that was interesting because they first plowed it up and me and my yeah. son were like oh let's go check it out and we get out there and we're barefoot and we were like this ain't right <laughs> Uh, yeah. that it was just this barren, dusty field with no worms, no bugs, no nothing. It was, it was, when I look back, it's like, man, it was eerie. It was almost wow, eerie. Wow, dude. Um, but now since then, all I've been doing is cutting that grass and letting it mulch <laughs> and letting it rejuvenate. And now there's just so many different, a diverse number of plants and spiders and, and worms and everything are all coming back. And now we're, I think we're still about one year away from that. We would like to start grazing cattle out there. Okay. Cause you have to wait till like the chemicals go we're, away. We're waiting for the chemicals. We, we thought we were ready, but the root system on everything is so shallow that yeah. a cow, you know, they don't have sharp teeth. They kind of tear that grass off. Uh -huh. And when I go and grab that grass, I just pull up all the roots. And if we put cattle on it now, I think they would just turn it into a mud pit by winter and we'd be starting over from scratch. Probably wouldn't be the worst thing for it, but it would set us back in a way. You have experience in like from your family or no, not really, not, not really. I mean, like I was around cattle when I was a kid, I did a lot of gardening. Um, I, uh, I, I had a garden at several different places. I lived in my twenties and, and into my thirties. And then in my thirties, we were living next door to my wife's dad, my father-in-law, who's a real awesome, crazy dude. Uh, <laughs> he, he's a, he's a, he's a race car driver. Wow. And he, uh, not even just race cars. He does, uh, wheel standards, uh, which it was a pickup truck, okay. a giant metal plank sticking, welded onto the back that sticks right. out and an oversized engine that came up through the floor. There's just enough room for, for a person to sit there. And when he'd blast, it would kick his whole front end up. And then he'd race with that steel plank on the ground, wow. creating a trail of sparks around Hilarious, a, a circuit. Dude. And he he dominated that sport. That it's like a country fair type type demolition derby type deal. I know and, demolition derbies. Awesome. Yeah. He took over the United States and won no everything way. and went to Australia and won everything. Yeah. He, uh, <laughs> he's, uh, he, he still rides on that glory from the seventies. I bet dude, I would too. <laughs> he deserves it. If you're winning all of you, you know, wow. And this wow. guy would, when we were living next door to him, he'd say, Hey, you want to start homesteading? And he'd come home with cattle and be like, no put way. up a fence. <laughs> Wow. Dude. And it was, uh, it was all out of whack because we didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. We didn't, he was bringing animals home that we didn't have a place to put. Right. So we're like in the rain, running around in the snow, trying to figure out how to keep these animals. And, um, but that property didn't work out for other, other reasons as yeah. well. Then we ended up out here and it's awesome. Dude. That's an amazing story because like our, I like made this joke, me on a joke or whatever for like our grandparents or, you know, the, like the World War II generation, they obviously, you know, and probably before that, they were all farmers and they pushed your kids to, you know, get educated, blah, 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 and go into the city, like escape this life mm -hmm. and thinking that that was the right call. But, it, you know, now look, it's see, we see that that was a lie. And so you went back. I mean, you never totally left, but, you know, it's an amazing that you were able. That's why I, I so respect people at Homestead because 
they are able to go back to the roots of what America was started on. Right. 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 And that's an awesome jumping off point for what I want to, what I want to get into you to with you tonight, because um, I mean, I could say within that, you know, you said that I, I kind of stayed with it through that time, but I didn't, um, you know, I ran away from home young. Uh, oh, wow. I dropped out of school well, last, last grade. My, I'm, I've got an eighth grade education. No way, uh, dude. I'm, I'm a real dumb guy. <laughs> no. Yeah. We know that's not true, but yeah, continue. no, I, I, I say that that's what made me smart. Um, yeah. <laughs> was not going through as much indoctrination, right. but with that, I went to the city and I was like, I didn't want, I, I ran away because I didn't like this country life. I didn't like, um, uh, the idea of, of just being stuck in a small town, all the things that I love now. Yeah. When I yeah. was, when I was 14, 15 years old, it was like, I just wanted to get to a city. I right. wanted, I wanted to be in New York city. I wanted to be in, I wanted more people, <laughs> you know, and it's amazing that I've come so far away from that because, and, and, and again, this is where I want to start because that's all a psyop that I fell into. I'm certain of it. The, the older I get, the more I see it as that, um, you know, we're conditioned, especially people who are living in rural areas, especially people who have what I think is everything you need, a yeah. small community where people, where everybody knows each other. They care about not only their kids, but the kids, the other kids around the adults all know each other. The kids all know each other. There's hardly property lines because the kids can go from place to place and there's always someone who cares about them whether or not they're their family or whatever but we're we're taught i was taught from a young age that that was boring and that was lame and you know this this particular spot that i'm in uh the road is named after my great grandfather because no. he built oh, the road. that is amazing and when i was a kid all but two houses on this road were my family. No way. Wow. And, and, and I say that now and it's like, I, I give my own self like goosebumps just yes. thinking about that as a concept, because that's what I want everyone to experience in the future. But when I went through that, I was, I, I watched TV, <laughs> you know, I got a good dose of the outside world and I was like, I, I just wanted out. And I got out as soon as I got out sooner than I should have. And by, by most people's standards. Mm -hmm. And once I was out, I started, I, I not even just once I was out after I'd been out of it for a while, I started realizing how much I, I missed that. And I wanted to get back to that. And by the time I came back, the, the road had broken up. It wasn't all family anymore. And mm -hmm. everything was different. I spent some time. I, I went through a pretty, pretty crappy depression at one point where I was, I was, I, I had a drinking problem and yeah. I kind of thought it was all my fault. If I hadn't left, then my whole family would have stayed together and we'd still have this little paradise out here. But right. I know that that's way beyond me. I had nothing to do with all no, that kind of no. stuff. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, like, what do you, what do you think of that as an idea that, um, just oh, a, a, it's a psyop to get us to not want that. I love, I mean, that's what I was going to say. Like when you told your story there, how you left school early and went or wanted to go to the city, like that's all that propaganda, dude. It's so powerful. And we don't even recognize 
I always tell this story of like um, when telenovelas or whatever came out down in Mexico, average family had five kids, huge families, all, all those things. This show came out and they had three kids in the show and they, they brought out, put out this idea like with, if you have, you can't love five kids enough. Three though, you can, you can love them all adequately. And literally the next, like within five to 10 years, the average jump from five kids per family to three, just because of this TV show that just came out. Yeah. And I mean, and we don't even know, like also like teenagers rebelling against their parents. Do you think that happened before TV? No, I don't think so. I why? Don't why? Think so. Right. Like all that we don't even, we can't even begin to think the amount of propaganda that we we've all consumed all of us, you know? Yeah. yeah, it gets it. It is always got its hooks in all of us, even even, you know, like in our community of, of uh, people who are awake and see through the propaganda and stuff. You know, we're I don't know. There's just no you can't get away from it, um, whether it's through your phone or through your television or just through your daily activities. We're all being affected by the matrix of society that we live in. Right. It's uh, it's it's everywhere. And it's never something pot like it's not pushing us to go back to farming and to spend no. time and have a Christian family or whatever. It's everything but that. And that's mm -hmm. any time. And that's what people need. I think it's tough for regular people to understand, like, why would they want bad things for us? Why would they want to make us unhappy? And I, they can understand like corporations are corrupt, but that deep, like the deep reason behind materialism and, and promiscuity and all these things, they can't get that. It's, it's a plan to degenerate all of us. You're easier to control when you're just sad and a slave to commercials on your TV. But I don't think that concept's like too powerful or maybe too depressing for people to accept. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. Well, there's the only thing that I see that can fight back against these types of things is creating good strong families with uh with with uh with strong moral codes with uh um high, you know strong family values and all of that kind of stuff and i am thrilled to know that you are engaged is that right yes yes you're engaged and how old are you i'm uh 31 31 oh. i was gonna guess 30 i was oh that's, nice that's you're right, the right there zone. dude uh so yeah 31 and engaged and do you do you hope to have kids one day? Absolutely, God willing, dude. God. Yes. So we get married in July. We got a. She's a little younger than me, so that's good. Uh -huh. You know, I was like you, dude. I uh, I was a heroin addict, so you know, I as as I'm sure you were a late bloomer of life of mm -hmm. accepting responsibility. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, but but yes, family for sure, as many as possible. Uh, since you brought that up, do you mind if I ask how long have you been clean? Yeah, I have about four, four years and some change, awesome. maybe five. Congratulations. You know, I, thank you, dude. Yeah. And it's like uh, that again, that as well, like the way I got started doing drugs was I loved rap. I grew up in a two parent household in a lovely suburb, a great public school. But this, you know, rap music, I loved it, dude. It like gave me this like I lack confidence, I think, or I wanted to be a tough guy or, and again, this all st is propaganda and stems from early childhood. You watch these movies. And that, that was like, my goal was to be this drug dealer, this, you know, Pablo Escobar like figure. 
And it's just, it's funny looking back, but I mean, think of just so many kids that are like that. It's again, so powerful. That is, it is, it is crazy to, for one thing, looking at you, uh, I never would guess that, that you were a former addict. You, you have so much life in your, in your eyes and in your face. Thank you, dude. Thank you. I can tell that you're, you're a happy person and that's, uh, that's not something that uh that is usually associated with drugs no so and again congratulations on that that i'm that is a hard road and i'm so happy you chose Uh, yes yes Um, not a fun road no no uh (laughs) but um it's so crazy that you know uh, a kid you being a kid from a from a good home from a good area uh can get sucked into something like that via propaganda that's just coming from just some sounds that you're listening to just Mm. some music that you're listening to um you know i'm i'm i haven't listened to a lot of rap but i'm pretty familiar with with uh you know the gangster rap (laughs) what they talk about yeah yeah and and that (laughs) stuff going into the ears of of young kids like all the time and more than just going into the ears the mtv and everything else too showing this idea of uh guns and bitches and money and (laughs) you know all this all this crazy stuff uh like what effect does anyone think that's gonna have on kids except to make them messed up in the end you know that's um and you know you're you're a white guy like if you were black i think that's even worse because because that's you know Let's assume I probably sound racist for saying this, but like, let's assume that the black kid is coming from a, from a less perfect home. Right. And he's got, he's kind of got a, he's kind of got a lot of shit going on. And then he sees another black guy who probably had a lot of shit going on when they were his age and they see how successful they are, mm. that they have uh, diamond encrusted Glock <laughs> uh, <laughs> as they, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just kind of being funny, but you know, yeah. like, but you know, they're, right. they're, they're showing off their, their wealth and their success and they're measuring it by standards that are like pretty messed up the yeah. way I see things. Yeah. Um, that's, that's not good. <laughs> well, dude, even think about like, uh, you know, 1940s, 30s, whatever, 20s, 30, even though, you know, the, the races were divided, the statistic, it, they had an exponential, you know, double two parent homes, jobs, clean neighborhoods, like in the 50, you know, it's this, even though it's maybe an inner city, it's still an, an idyllic America that doesn't exist today. And within, I guess, one of the 80s, late 70s, 80s, that crime rhyme started coming out, I guess more 80s, but within in a few other things like Lyndon Johnson's Great Society, but they were able to dismantle a community that, and now family values are not associated with the black community, um, no. like a two parent home, not associated, but only 50, 60 years ago, it was, it wasn't this insane world that they are brought many in the African-American community are brought up in. Right. Well, they, they encourage it. The state yeah. encourages that. Um, you know, it's uh, it is, I am sure. I mean, I even know, I, I know a nice couple. I haven't actually known them for 15 years or so. Uh, but I like recently learned that they're not married, even though they wow. have, three kids. Wow. And they, they act married. They've, I, I, I could have swore I went to their wedding. I think they even had, <laughs> they had a fake wedding. Um, but I just learned that they're not married. And I was like, why 
yeah. this wasn't to them. This was, you know, a third party. Like right. I say, I haven't seen these, these, yeah. these people in a while, but they were like, Oh, because they get way more benefits this way. They're both, they're both single parents. And I think one is they have two kids. If I understood it right, the, the mom is the primary caretaker of one and the dad is the primary care, caretaker of the other wow. and they're milking the system. Yeah. And I was like, Holy shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, no wonder I haven't talked to them for a long time. No, right. um, <laughs> uh, but they both come from decent homes. As far as I could tell, you know, knowing them 15 years ago or so, like they were, they, they seem to, to both be on the up and up and all that kind of stuff. Um, but if you, if you particularly apply this to like black families and stuff, uh, we have been encouraging them to stay separate for a long time. We are not, we're not putting the social pressure on fathers to stick around that we should, because I mean, I believe in, in, in using things like social pressure to keep Mm -hmm. people with a good, strong moral code. Yeah. Uh, You know, that's, that's uh, that's an important phrase to me is, is a moral code. And I think a lot of people get away from, even considering what a moral code is, they're just going from moment to moment. And if that, mo- and the, and the main drive in those moments is money mm-hmm. is success on a, on just like a monetary sense of things. And if there are things that will from moment to moment seem better for your family, because you can get a little bit more money, especially without the effort, that's the direction people are going to go. And, uh, you know, this is not exclusive to black people at all, no. but I think that they were psyoped a little harder in right. the beginning, at least with this. And I think it's spread out and spread out. And I don't think without the broken homes that that causes, I don't think we would be where we're at right now with all of this transgender bullshit that's going on all of this. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you follow what's going on with this quote unquote, don't say gay bill. Yes. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, I see these videos from time to time. I don't, I don't dwell on this too much, but you know, I follow some people who send, send out newsletters and things where I'll, uh, I'll be like, okay, if they're recommending this video, I'll check this one out. Yeah. And I'm seeing, you know, teachers who are teaching like five-year-olds who are very upset about this because they can't tell their five-year-old, you know, the one that I watched today, the, the, the teacher was saying four and five-year-olds need to be learning about gender assignment. Right. And I'm just going, no. And they even say within it, uh, because they're, because they're more open to these things at that age. And my immediate reaction, when I hear that, when I hear you say, when I hear them say they're more open, you know what else they are, or you know what they really are? is they're more programmable. Mm. You were programmable with the rap. I was programmable with the, with the, with the general, you know, run away from home, have fun in the city yes. television that I yes. watched. Like yeah. these things were happened to us at young ages and it really took hold of our brains and really got us thinking in a different way than we would have if we were living a hundred years ago without, without all this bombardment of, I'm just going to say propaganda, but in the form of entertainment, um, if it wasn't coming at us, we would, we wouldn't be, we'd be looking at, Hey, what can we do around here to make our family make more money to f- be more successful, to, to be able to live a better life. But 
we grow up in such a way and we're indoctrinated in such a way that it pulls us in the exact opposite direction. What can I do to get away from this? They're, I mean, it's so like, they were just so good at this propaganda. Like, and just like we just said two generations ago, if they heard the things that were coming out today, they would literally think you're insane. Mm -hmm. But like I told you, I was working on this feminist book. And again, the same time, it was the six fifties and sixties, these two ladies, they started putting out, both were communists as well. Uh, Betty Goldstein and the Gloria Steinem. But okay. both these people, they're funded by the CIA, like at their colleges. They go to, they have newspaper, they get funded to run magazines about how, oh, if you're a woman, you're not, and you're just having a family, you're not living, you're, you're you know, being held back or held down by the patriarchy. The only way you can be truly free is if you have a job and you have 10 cats and you're 50 and saying, <laughs> where did life go? Yeah. But I mean, that's, and that's always the trick in my, that I've like found is like this, you're not really free if you do this thing, the old fashioned way. And granted things, there's definitely something like, you know, my grandfather wouldn't let his, my aunts go to college. I don't think that that is needs That's the case, but that's how they sneak it in because there's some wrong. They'll say, you know what? That's not right. And people could say, yeah, that's not right. But now they, they, then they push it like pedal to the metal and go crazy. And people are like, either, how did we get here? Or they ride along with it. Cause they can't say, no, that that's not right. Yeah. That's cause that isn't, that isn't right to say no. that a girl can't go to college. No. You know, I mean, that's, that's pretty lame uh, <laughs> right. to, 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 to say the least, uh, yes. but when you push it in the other direction and you start, I mean, really, you're demeaning the uh, the the mother of this of this case to say that what she's doing isn't a job. I have a wife with two kids, and I work, and she stays home. Huh, that sounds pretty traditional, right? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I hate I hate to break it to those to those feminists, <laughs> but she works for her her ass off all the time. Yeah. I mean, that is that is a seriously full time job, and um and it's probably the most rewarding job that could exist because she's spending all this time with these young minds and, and being with them. And, um, and, and beyond that, she's also helping me, you know, she, she, she creates and does things for, for her husband. She does things for her mother and her father and my parents. And, you know, like, I mean, the, the job of a homemaker is amazing and it goes big. We've been talking Lanny and I have been talking about this a lot lately that, that we want to take back the word homemaker and make it better than it even was before Love it. and say that I'm a homemaker as well. When I'm working on a homestead and expanding our home, anytime we're working at home, we are together being homemakers. I work a day job, but that's not my real job. You know, I, uh, I, I say it all the time. It's almost a, it's almost a joke. You know, I say to the boss when I'm clocking out, like, well, I, I got, I'd love to stick around, but I got to go home and start working, you know, <laughs> uh, because this is the, it's not necessarily uh, harder work. Well, it probably is, but it doesn't matter that it is or isn't. This is the work that really matters in my life. I go and I work for him because I need to buy some money. And the yeah. best thing I can buy that money with is my labor. <laughs> Um, but those, those feminists that you're, that you're reading, they told women that they were worthless, that Mm. that homemaker job was worthless. 
And this was all happening. And, you know, there was that concept because I don't think, um, you know, if we if we talk about the, the nuclear family, which existed, we'll say in the 1950s of mom is a homemaker, dad works nine to five, the kids go to school until they're 18, at which point they're out of the house. Hmm. Um, and, and within that too, no grandparents in the, in the, in right. the home, yes. they go to, they go to these newfangled places that are nursing homes, <laughs> uh, which I, which I did a little looking into and those really didn't exist before the, the concept of the, of really? the nuclear family. Uh, like if you go back to the 19th century, yeah. they, if there was a old person who didn't have family and was destined to die of neglect because they couldn't take care of themselves, yeah. they went to mental institutions interesting state state run mental institutions um and then in the 1930s or so just after the the depression that's when they started having they people started saying you know this ain't right we shouldn't be sending these people to mental institutions we should have separate places that are just for old people but they were kind of run similarly and yeah. again they were only people who were neglected they were state run and they were from people who when I say neglected, you know, their family died or left or whatever. And then all of a sudden they're in their eighties and they don't know how to cook for themselves and they yeah. get put into these places. But then it was in the 1950s that it started becoming a luxury concept to, to free up your home for that homemaker so that she's not taking care of the elderly as well. She's just she's just in charge of the of the couple of, of kids. And they also, if you look at, at it in this timeline, too, it's also when they started stripping her job away. That's when things like hostess started coming out, boxed, boxed uh, uh, meals that right. you just you just add one egg and some and, and some water. And, you know, we, we're going to make it so that so that you have nothing to do but clean your house, which takes an hour. Yeah. But you got the place to yourself all day. You make yourself some lunch and then and then and then the kids come home and then you deal with the kids and um, and then dad comes home and, and you have dinner, all that kind of stuff. But that's but they took away that job during that same time. If we if we lived in a more traditional society, if you go back 100 years before 1950, not only were grandpa and grandma there, but you also had mom and dad were both at home. Chances are if it was a farm. You know, it's like mom and dad are outside working all day. The right. kids spend a lot of time with grandpa and grandma and great grandpa and great grandma were being taken care of by their kids, the grandma and grandpa. You know, you had this big network just within one home and those kids knew everybody in that home. They knew their great grandparents. They had stories from their great grandparents. The great grandparents are getting they're They're the ones who should be put away by our standards today. Yeah, uh, right. but instead they're actually having an influence on the young minds, and you know they they got us put in this spot that by the 1950s when the when it's it's stripped down to the husband wife and 2.5 kids, uh, <laughs> then uh, then they took away her job from the from the kitchen even so much and other newfangled items to make life easier, more conveniences here and there. That then when Gloria Steinem comes along. And says, you don't deserve this slavery that you're being put in where you just you're just locked in the house all day. You have nothing to do. 
and your, your, your life is being wasted. And those women, the June Cleavers from, I don't know if you ever watched leave it to be. Yes. I know. Yeah. uh, Like, you know, she, she, that mom was going, Oh crap. My life was robbed from me. I need to be listening to, to, to people like that. Mm. And even if it didn't get them because they were stuck in their ways of that type of lifestyle, it definitely got their kids by the, by the seventies. Right. Dude. I love that. Well, you're like taught it. I never thought of it this way. Like they slowly taking positive activities away to give you more time. Cause I, and that's silly say saying idle hands, but you're absolutely right, dude. Like that, that fifties was that time of, you know, TV dinners became popular and all the, and I'm trying to think of like examples that were from that, like the book that I'm working on, but there, that is exactly each, it seems like each generation or each, they give you something else to free up your time. Well, what are we freeing up our time with? Propaganda. That's, that's yeah. all we, yeah, that's what it gives we're you freeing. more time to watch the television, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or listen to the radio or, you know, just, uh, or, or even just go to, go to lunch with the other housewives from the neighborhood and, you know, talk about how crappy life is Yes, <laughs> or, or good, but you know, like the paint, the picture I'm, I guess, trying to paint here is that it wasn't, it wasn't this wonderful thing. The, the, the nuclear family, it was, um, now I do see that the nuclear family is being dissolved even more today. Mm. And I think that's horrible because that, that nuclear family that I'm painting negatively is way better than the broken families yes. that we have today. Yeah. Um, it puts us in the, in the spot of, um, you know, now during the time of the nuclear family, we couldn't have had this transgender stuff sneak in here. You know, the, the families were still too close, you know, that's, and I think, you know, if there's like an overall thing that's going on here, what I think it is, is, is they're trying to make us more, I'm going to, I'm going to say more independent and less dependent upon our own families so that we feel more lost so that we're going to turn to daddy government. We're going to turn to the state. We're also going to be less likely to breed, which will help with any kind of depopulation type stuff that anybody in the, in the predator classes is, is trying like to that. impose upon us. Um, you know, I just see it's all such a tangled mess. What do, what do you think of any of that? Dude, I total the depopulation. And I think I like the lost feeling. That's definitely what they're pushing out is then you can get on pharmaceuticals and then you keep thinking, ah, oh, this will make my life better. Let me buy this. Let me, or I'm not having enough. Um, what was the second point that you, oh, the, but the, I think in this book, it's called a cruel hoax. If It's super easy read if anyone wants to read it, but they talked about how the, you know, the gay population, an average amount of partners is like something like 200 for gay guys. It's like you have sex with over 200 people in your whatever wow. career. I don't know, whatever, you know, in your sex career. <laughs> yes. In your sex career, you hit, that's the average 200. And, you know, a, a heterosexual relationship, it is much less like 20, 15, but they yeah. want you to have this promiscuity because when you had just, when sex is the goal, if that is like, that is the goal of every young person, it's unfulfilling, dude. They're going to have this loveless sex, which it's again, it's a, an action to procreate, to build this, to get, to be as close to God as humanly possible. You're creating life. But it's, if you, if that's not your interest, if 
we can propagandize you to think, ah, like just getting off. That's the goal. That is a fleeting feeling. And no one and everybody feels this way. Like after I always give the example of like porn, like after you come or whatever, you're like, what the hell am I doing, dude? Why am I? Yeah. What? And that's the same. They want you to feel that. And you, you keep, you just keep going like, oh, I feel good for five. It's almost a drug, dude. It is a drug. Yeah. And that's the goal. So it dude, is, it, it, yeah. as you're saying it, it's reminding me of, of, of drug addictions, right. You know, of that it's, it's really fulfilling. And then it's, then you're not fulfilled. <laughs> and all you can think about doing is trying to fulfill that again. Yes. And, you know, to your, to your point of, uh, of, of, of well, when we, when I was younger, when VHS was all, was all the rage with, with pornography, well, yeah. everything, <laughs> it was a real joke. If you found a, a porno tape at your buddy's place, you say, Hey, if we pop this in, we're going to know exactly where you got off because <laughs> nobody watches, you know, it's never right. at the end. It's right. like, it's going to be, it's going to be right. You watch until you're done That's funny, and then you dude. turn it off. Hilarious. You know, now, kids these days, they, they just turn off the computer and erase right. their history and no one's yeah. ever going to know what, <laughs> what they were. Ah, oh, they're missing to. out. No. <laughs> uh, but, but it's so true. Like nobody, nobody watches this for entertainment. You know, nobody's watching that to to see what's going on, to see, you know, like nobody's watching it to the end. If you're watching it to the end, it's just because you didn't finish, you know, right. and then and then and it was a bad one. Yeah. <laughs> so you move on to the next or whatever. Right. Uh, it's not, you know, like, I don't know if you ever, you ever seen any porn from the 70s. It was it's interesting because they were trying to make movies like uh, like the really famous one, Deep Throat uh they it's like it's like scenes there's like multiple at times there's multiple sex scenes going on but they're cutting from one to no another way. to another <laughs> because they're trying to make this cohesive like plot because right. they want you to stay they want you to they want to get you into a theater and get you to stay there for an hour and a half or whatever it's hilarious it's bizarre when you look back on yeah that. and especially like when i looked back on that in like the 90s and early zeros that was bizarre. But now I look back on it in 2022 and it's like, dude, it's, it's uh, it, like everything is for, for porn. It's all like in clip form, basically. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, it, and, you know, there's no, there's no, 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 no buildup to it. Like no story, <laughs> no plot. If there is stuff like that, it's uh, it's like a different level. It's not, yeah. um, it's not your typical. Well, and how shit. old were you dude when you found those VHSs or whatever? Oh, you know, 15 to 25. Okay. So I, cause I, like, I just saw a statistic, a kids this day, 11 years old, they'll, they'll watch probably right around the time they're, they can type and read. Yeah. But 11 years old, dude, like no one sees a problem. Instead they say why you should teach. I remember seeing an article, why your kids should be porn literate or something like uh -huh. that. Uh -huh. Like an 11 year old child has no need. Yes. They're curious. Yes. They are like, they're wrecking up, they're understanding their bodies and other kids have other bodies, yeah. but they're not supposed to be seeing grown adults doing these crazy things to each other. No. And when you say crazy, I mean, crazy, like crazy, like it just on its own. Like if you, if you visit a site like Pornhub yeah. and just look at their front page, how many of those, like say there's uh 30 videos that are mm -hmm. just right there with like a yeah. single screen. How many of those say stepbrother, stepsister, all that kind of stuff? Uh, 10, 
10 years ago or so, like when I first really was aware of the, the, I mean, there's always been internet, as long as there's been internet, internet, there's been internet porn, but uh, you know, 10 years prior, uh, maybe 15 years that like that was starting to happen. And there was something that I noticed right away. Like this was like when me and Lanny were first together, it was like, you notice that all of these are about foot fetish. There was like this foot fetish thing that was just like right everywhere. And then I didn't really look at it for a long time. And then I looked at it again. I was just doing research though. I swear. Yeah. Uh, and all of a sudden it's this step. It's like they replaced. It's like, there was mm. like this call at some point that was like, let's get people into feet. Cause I wasn't into, I didn't, I didn't know anyone or I didn't right. know that anyone was into that. Maybe people were more into it than I was aware. Um, <laughs> But I mean, if you'd looked at it at that time, if you'd looked at it in 2010, if you'd looked at the equivalent of, uh, of Pornhub, I don't think mm-hmm. that was around back then. Um, you know, you'd look at that 30 videos and at least half of them would be, would have the word foot in there. Somewhere. Interesting. And it was just like, that's so, so bizarre. And now I look at it and it's like, it, I can't even use the word bizarre. It's so disgusting that all of these say, say uh, stepbrother, step cousin, uh-huh. step Right. whatever you whatever. know yes uh, and and you know everyone anyone with half a mind can look at that and go well obviously it's not about step you know it's not it's not a step fetish it's it's an incest fetish yes and and they're just putting that on there because like a long time ago there would be there would be like magazines that would be called like barely legal yes and right. all the girls would have like pigtails and lollipops right. and you'd look at it and it was just like dude this is <laughs> This is <laughs> fucked up yeah. because no, you know, it's not, nobody's missing the point. Just like they're not, they're not thinking that it's a step fetish. It's an incest fetish today. At that time you looked at that and you didn't go, Oh, these people like girls who look young. Mm. No, they are in their minds looking at young girls, yes. even though, you know, like it would have like an, a picture of the ID of each one in the corner, you know, to prove mm. that they were, they turned 18 five days before this or whatever, you know? Um, but when there's pigtails and lollipops, it's just, it's obviously, you know, it's a staged thing to give people a, a, a different illusion. Right, dude. And that is insane. If you think about on its face, like that is anybody, if you said, oh, I like what barely like people would be like, damn, dude, you're not allowed around anybody of my family. Right. But you're right. It's just this. And so I also know it was for the Pornhub or whatever search goes up 400% after school hours let out another just devastating statistic, but you're right. Like they pushed and even like calling your significant other daddy and stuff like, like all this stuff is gearing and people can't see that except for like our kind of community, but they're, they're gearing for the most demonic inverted sexual relationship humanly possible and that is yes family incest 100 percent. because you know we we started on this by you know like you were pointing out like by the age of 11 most kids have seen this seen that it exists at least Mm -hmm. if not straight up dive into it yeah and you know i saw some stuff when i was 11 because we had we had like a quarry around here and someone found a, a like a penthouse magazine or something. And we all, we all had to go down and, you know, take a look, yeah. all us young kids, but that stuff was, 
you know, like there, there wouldn't have even been genitalia, you know, right. it was, it was, yeah. it was a, a tits and ass kind of a thing. Right. And that was pretty, pretty amazing to all of us and Absolutely. secretive. We didn't want yes. to tell our parents and stuff. Uh, but then even if I had been exposed to hardcore stuff of that time, it wouldn't have been what it is today. And just, just to think that an 11 year old, we're talking earlier about like how, how programmable the young mind is the 11 year old who's looking at hardcore, just on its face, the, the, the level of hardcore of the pornography is absolutely disturbing. And they started that by reading my stepsister wanted to see more or, 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 you know, some, some title like that. And they're the, they watch that and then they turn around and there's their sister there. Mm. Like, what is going through the the mind yes. of that kid? Like what right. I like, I can't, I, I asked the question, but I also pull back from it in my own head because I don't want to, I don't want to know what's going through the right. mind of that kid. I don't want that going through the mind of any kids and it's being programmed into them. Yes. Dude. And they, and they keep like, just how you say, like more hardcore, like it starts, even those on the front page, but the, after, I think it's something like six months, the, they start searching and these like that, the term like cuckold is one of the highest searches groups. And so like what people in our community have to say, like, so now why would they want to push that? Well, again, if you can't stay married or you can't stay loyal, you're, you know, not going to procreate. You're going to be lonely when you get 50 and you're like, wow, I've just been banging people. I have no real connections. I'll need to be on a pharmaceutical buy more things. It's just, it's such a perfectly planned step-by-step just degrading the human population. And it is amazing. You know, like they were brilliant in this plan, whether they had it from the beginning or just found it along the way. I mean, it's, I think of the population, dude, think of how small our community is of people are like anti-porn and imagine the, the, the opposite. I mean, people are like on Twitter, not embarrassed, like commenting under whatever a, a porn star is like so hot. It's like, dude, are you, in, or what is wrong with you? Like <laughs> yeah. your brain is broken. You go right. get some help, buddy. Cause you are effing lost. It's uh, it's crazy. I mean, I even see it outside of the, the, the porn porno star world, yeah. you know, someone in the Liberty community uh, that's a female takes a picture of herself and her cleavage is showing and you look in the comments and there's, there's always going to be at least a few where it's just like, you are so hot. I can't believe how hot you are. And you're into Liberty, you know, or whatever, you know, and it's just like, dudes, like, like learn, learn some shame there, you know, like, like I understand, you know, finding attraction to, 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 to a right. female or you know opposite right. sex or or you know even even same sex like whatever right. you know like yeah I, I you know no no judgments here on a real basic level but you don't need to make that shit public you know <laughs> have have some decency <laughs> and dude and i think and it's i think again that's like this propaganda like they maybe were taught somewhere along the way this this is how you get attention if you're so groveling and uh, I think it also even deals with uh, the effeminating men, like mm-hmm. a man in the forties, granted, he probably like would, some of them would hit his wife or whatever, but today, like we are so effeminated that maybe this tactic w- they think is going to work because the other tactic of going up to, and say, I am courting and all these things that is 
way too terrifying. This is easier or it has something to do with, you know, taking masculinity away, saying that's bad. This is good. You can't don't stand up to a woman. That's a, a, a you're an anti-feminist. But this this is how you be a supportive man. Support their 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 porn only fans or whatever. Yeah. That's how you support. It's insane, dude. It, it really is. You know, I work I work with younger guys a lot of the time, like around 20. OK, and um, it's it's kind of mind boggling to me, for one thing, how um, sexless they are but with a yearning for it, you know, Ooh, like, interesting. Uh, like I, I said something to a, to a guy who's probably like 24 uh, a month ago or so um, that came out as um, you know, I was like, well, what you, what you should really do. It's like my advice to anyone. Well, yeah. what you should really do is try and find a nice girl and get married and have a family because then it would give your life lots of meaning. Yeah. You know, something, something to that effect. And it was just like, it was like the meanest thing I've ever said to him or he's, anyone's ever said to him. He's like, well, it's not that easy. Like, you know, how do you, you know, you don't know how crazy the world is like that's You can't just go find a wife, you know? And I'm like, yeah, well, I was kind of putting it in caveman terms, but, <laughs> but he sees it as an, as an impossible task was what our conversation led to, because that's just not the way the world works today. And, you know, he was saying, cause I'm a nice guy and nice guys finish last you know, kind of a, kind of a concept. And, um, just like everyone else around that age that I, that I speak with, um, they're all on pharmaceuticals, every one of them. Like I'll, I'll listen in sometimes and hear, hear these, uh, you know, 20 to 25 year olds talking amongst themselves and they're comparing drugs and not, and not street drugs, not the good ones. <laughs> yeah. They're they're Well, one, I'm on Adderall and Adderall, blah, 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 blah. Well, I'm on Zoloft and Zoloft, blah, 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 blah. It's almost like you want to trade, you know, like, should we, should we try switching? And maybe these would, these would work better, uh, you know, for, for each other. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's really sad to me to think of, of men. I'll say men, even though it's hard for me to say it about some Mm. of them, men who are on antidepressants, who are watching Pornhub who don't see it as a possibility that they'll ever get married and have kids. Like what, what went wrong with society to allow that to happen? Because, you know, none of these guys are, are, are disgusting. They're not like what I would, they're not people I would say they're not as gross as me. You know, I look like a homeless man. (laughs) I understand women wanting being repelled by me. I'll you know, it, dude. I'm just, I'm just joking, but, yeah. but they're, but they're not slobs is my point. You know, mm-hmm. they're not unkept slobs. They're, they're like, you know, you, you see them on the street and you just be like, ah, there's a person who keeps up with his appearance and, and, and they're mm-hmm. fine. But then you start talking to them and they see uh, marriage as a, as it's just not a possibility. It's just not a thing that's going to happen in their lifetime. I kind of wish I was talking to more young women like this too, uh, it's just the nature of my job. I'm not seeing as, as many women right. as I am guys. Um, but uh, what, what, I mean, I, I kind of wonder like, where, where are women at? Like, are they feeling the same thing? Are they going, man, what's going on with all these guys, with all these men that are around me who won't, um, won't even talk to me because that's what it comes down to is they're not talking to girls. They're not, they're not talking to boys though, either, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're spending all their time on their, on their phones and on the internet. And playing video games. Video games, I think, plays into this a lot, Ooh. too. 
I love video games. I'm not against it. I'm not against pretty much anything in pop culture in its own, in its own sense, but it's that oversaturation of, of whatever it may be that uh, I think takes people too far out of the real world. And it's real hard on the young people. Well, in that, in that feminist movement, they like pushed, you know, uh, how men need to be, or how women should be on like a pedestal. Like how you were saying they're, they're a slave to their man. How don't be like that. And so it's almost like a perfect storm because you have the women that come in like, you know, I'm Miss Feminist and like, ain't no man going to tell me what to do or whatever it is. But and with these, you have these polar opposites that they'll never connect because one is trying to like keep being this independent person, which men for thousands of years, that's not what they looked for in a, a partner. They didn't look for the most independent woman. And then you have men who have been told by society don't be boisterous, don't be confident, be meek, mild, buy girls only fans, and then you'll be, then you'll be successful. So it's the perfect storm because you have one side who's wanting 90% of the power. And then you have the other that is afraid to show any sense of power. Yeah. Yeah. That is a pretty perfect storm. I haven't really thought about it like that. Yeah. I'm, when I first met my, my wife, like, you know, I was just kind of clean and everything, but I remember we, she had like a shirt, the future is female and stuff like that. But I found like, after we've been together four years or whatever. And slowly it's like this, her mom's like pretty big, like anti-man kind of guy. And so, you know, it's a taught, but it, it's, we get old, it, these things go away. It's like, once you find this person and you guys realize it's not about independence, it's about like, how do you succeed together? It's our success. It's our family these like propaganda things slowly go away. And I think, again, that's why the fear is from the predator class. I love that you said that is if you let people create a loving relationship, the propaganda will be much less, you know, powerful. Oh, absolutely. That's why, you know, uh, a lot, a lot of the point of this podcast um, is that we're, we're, you know, we started with talking about the nuclear family, and we started, we've, we've started calling it the traditional family is what we want to see. What we, what we're building for ourselves is what we're going to call a traditional family where I hope to be, I hope to be, I mean, who knows, who knows where, where life will lead. But the idea is eventually I'll be the great grandfather living in this same house with my great grandkids and that, and that kind of model that I was, that I was suggesting there. And the, point of that isn't just because that sounds like fun but it's that uh because it but it does it does sound yes, like it fun. does <laughs> sounds perfect uh it's that it's that we would become impervious to said propaganda and to the predator class if we could be strong enough like that and who knows they all have tricks to try and stop this right. no matter what but if more and more people took on this 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 idea of trying to and you got to start somewhere you know, uh, we, we have, we have parents and, um, you know, all of our grandparents are dead now. Uh, but, uh, they're not on board with this, this model that I'm talking Mm. about. Um, you know, we're even, um, uh, you know, speaking with them saying, Hey, please, like, you know, we're, we're starting to talk about uncomfortable end of life type things. Yeah. Right. Our parents are all, all pushing into their seventies and, and, and getting up there and, they all absolutely positively do not want to be taken care of by us. Wow. They want to go into a home. They don't want us to see them like that. 
you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like, oh, no, no, no. I could never have you uh, clean up my, my right. dirty diapers. Right. I couldn't do that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but you did that for me. Like I yes. owe it to you. And not that I want to, I mean, don't get me. <laughs> that's like, you know, back to the fetish thing. <laughs> it's not my <laughs> fetish. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I don't want to, but I do, you know, like yeah. I want to, I, and more than I want to for, it has nothing to do with me. It's for my kids. I want my kids to be around their grandparents until their final days. But the grandparents, we have four of them and none of them want that. Like it like expressed, like, please don't. So I want to put myself in the position that I'm putting myself upon my kids to, right. to feel that way, yeah. <laughs> uh, which hopefully there won't be too much resentment if, no. if we get that far down the road, no. because, and if enough other families did this, you know, if by some stroke of luck, this road that I grew up on that I'm back onto now, if all the houses here were to get filled with like-minded people, I don't, I don't think this will happen, but you know, if a bunch of people who also understood this concept of the traditional family as we do, and we're interested in doing that, then, then we become more impervious to the, to the, to the attacks of the predator class who are trying to break this up. And we're all, we're all stronger against the propaganda, whether or not they, the, the predator class gets in here or not, just to have the great grandparents and the great grandchildren raising each other, taking care of each other and everybody in between. Uh, the, the, the joke is it's kind of a joke, kind of not is Tartaria could never have been hidden from us. If we all knew our great grandparents, you know, uh, the, the concept, whether Tartaria is a thing or not, like there were a lot of orphans at one point and a great reset type thing can't happen unless we have a whole lot of orphans or if we have enough broken up families that everyone's in their own lane of propaganda, which is kind of where we're at right now, or really close to being at to where, you know, maybe this, this uh, reset 30, 30 or, or whatever is, is like a, a distinct possibility, but it wouldn't be if we all said no and we all stayed with our families and yeah, all even just even just discussing the propaganda that's coming at you is going to make you aware of it and not just all of a sudden one day be like huh didn't we used to have families it seems like we weren't always just born in test tubes and, and, you know i don't know whatever have you ever read john taylor gatto's books uh yeah to a to a degree i've never read one covered yeah cover. i mean they're they're great you know but he talks all about that, you know, the man, he's the mandatory schooling guy for anyone doesn't yeah. know listening, go check out his book. But he talks about exactly what you're saying, like how pre before, I think mandatory schooling happened like 1880, that they, yeah. with guns, the military forced people in Massachusetts who were resisting to go to school. But he talks about before that, like you said, like the great grandparents were with the kids and they were teaching them while the and, all, and just the amount of information that's exchanged that way is far better than from a random state trained adult. Thank God they're trained. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Oh, it's so true. When I, again, when I describe the traditional family, I also should throw in there. There's no school in there. You know, there's <laughs> yeah. no, uh, you know, the, it is all school. I homeschool my kids. And wow, um, dude. when I first started doing that three years ago, I, I struggled with it for about a month 
about a, I mean, I, I mean, specifically for about a month, I was struggling it with it because I was going, I need to have a schedule and have a lesson plan. And if I'm yeah. not doing this, then my, at the You're time, kindergarten year old, like, yeah, I'm going to not only let them down, but the people around me, my, my parents and my wife's parents are not going to appreciate it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm taking, I'm taking a step where I have to, I have to fall in line to some degree, but it was at that same time that we were moving into this place and I had all those blackberries and, and a million other things, everything's overgrown. And I really had a hard time balancing all of that. And um, all of a sudden it dawned on me one day, cause we didn't do any lessons and, uh, and uh, Lanny was still working full time at the time. And she came home, she asked my son, you know, what'd you do today? Or what'd you learn today? I think is what yeah. she asked. And he listed off like 12 things and we'd skipped school. And it was because we spent the whole day together outside amazing, doing stuff. And amazing. it was just this like, poof, everything is homeschool. Everything is homeschool. When you're homeschooling, everything becomes homeschool. Um, whether it's like, I'm trying to lift a thing that's too heavy and I got to figure out how to do that. And I have a little sponge of a, of a child yeah, next to me right. and he watches me struggle through that and, and, and figure it out and get through that process. And, and that it seemed like it was impossible at one point, but at the end of the day, it turned out it was. And we learned that from trying three or five different ways to get that thing up and moved. But by the end of the day, we got that thing up and on a trailer and, you know, moved to where we wanted. And, you know, it, it, Dude, it was all a lesson. They say it requires John Taylor said a hundred hours if, at the age of like you say, all right, I want to read. I want to learn how to read. It will take them a hundred hours to learn how to have, you know, a 10th grade or whatever reading and arithmetic level. That is it. A hundred hours. Let's say it's 200 hours that, okay, well, I'll give it double what they said. So 200 hours, how, I mean, they go to eight hours of school a day. So this is a month or two months of school. They should be able to do reading math. What are they doing with all the other time? Dude, like I, as you dropped out, but I, I dropped out of college, but I, I didn't learn anything, dude. I learned the, everything I like know now has been through four years of reading through like history, knowledge and that kind of stuff. But beyond that, dude, I learned nothing, but I did learn, you know, propaganda and what's conformity. Yes. That's it, dude. That's it. Conformity. Yeah. Um, right before, right before choosing to homeschool, uh, I read uh, the case against education by Brian Kaplan. Okay. Which was, um, you know, he's like a kind of an Austrian economist and uh, he teaches uh, economics at, some prestigious school. And he wrote this book that it just, it blew my mind. Um, because as a professor, he saw how much of a waste of time education was particular. It's mostly about college. It's not, it's not about little kids at all. Uh, but that, you know, he, he, he points out that he ruined some people's lives by, um, failing them in their economics class when they were doing a major that had nothing to do with economics, but he was a strict professor. And he said, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give people a break because, because they're majoring elsewhere. If they're required to do economics, they need to learn how to do economics. And then as he continued to examine it, he, he says that um, all, all that college ends up being is, 
is a signal you to get a piece of paper that signals to a, a potential future employer that you're able to conform. It's not telling them because you don't necessarily, you know, he goes over in detail how people, even with their majors, you can get a major in something and have never been passionate about it and never really learned anything that's going to stick with you and really be a part of your, of your life and of your mind. How many people get majors in one thing or another, and then go into a completely unrelated field. <laughs> I, I spent, I didn't go to school, but I spent my, you know, 17 through 25 I was, I was exclusively hanging out with people who were in college. I was working that whole time in, you know, living in a college town yeah. and every, everyone, every single person that I was friends with right. went to college and they all had these different, you know, majors that they were working on, you know, poli sci and environmental yeah. science and, you know, whatever it might've been. Right. Almost every single one of them work in record shops coffee shops or restaurants or bars today. Yeah. Like, and, and, you know, surprisingly enough, almost none of them had families. Wow. You know, it's, um, they, what they, what they went through was a process to not even have that signal that Brian Kaplan's talking about of that piece of paper. Cause they didn't use that piece of paper at the mm. end of the day, which, you know, it's also in there just to, sum up that book a little bit better too, is he, he talks about muddying the, the waters of education by having too many people be educated because then it starts making it that if everyone has a college education and you go to apply to work at a bar and three other people, if you don't have a college education and three other people do, yeah, they're going to go with one of them over you, even though you're just as qualified, yeah. maybe even more qualified, right. but they did see this piece of paper that shows that they knew how to conform. So they are going to follow There's like a little bit of an inkling that they're going to follow rules better. Interesting. And also in defense of that book, since I'm talking about it, a lot of people point out and he does as well, that that's not to say a college education is all for naught of that. You will make more money if you do have that, if mm -hmm. you do so choose to, to follow yeah. that path. You know, it's not, it's not that it's a completely worthless endeavor, but just something that people should think about a little bit more before they, they spend so much money and so much time of their, of their formative years, really um, putting, put into that. But yeah, so I read that and then I, and, and, you know, I was listening to like Tom Woods five yeah. days a week and, and right. Michael Malice and, you know, all yeah. this other stuff. And it was just like, I realized uh, that I could not possibly put my kid into public school at that wow. point in time. And John Taylor Gatto was, you know, I was, uh, I, I didn't read anything cover to cover, but I was very aware of him at that time mm -hmm. and stuff too. I was just, I was learning as much as I could about education. And at the end of the day, it was like, I, I can't live with myself if I put my kid through that. Dude, amazing. Amazing. I, uh, I hope again, I hope that you have kids soon. Yes. Well, <laughs> and, well and I, I, do, and I, I hope as well. Uh, if you do, do you think you'll go the homeschool route? Ah, uh, dude, I don't know. I don't know if I'm brave. I can't set my wife. She's cat raised Catholic school and I went public school, but I, I like worry how I would be like sending a kid. Like I'm very traditional and conservative, whatever that means anymore, but yeah, traditional values. I, I wouldn't be able, and I hate a Blinken. So there that's the, and I'm not a big war war two 
there's things about that. So, you know, I would be the most annoying parent in the world. So I don't know what I'm going to do, dude, but I think about that all the time, but it's, it's amazing that you were brave enough to make that jump. So few people are. Yeah. And that's normal propaganda. Yeah. I spent five years before that with my son saying that without a doubt, he'll be going to public school Mm -hmm. in my mind. I mean, I don't know that I said this out loud, but you know, that's where he'll be going. And it will be my job to actually educate was kind of the way I saw it because I disagreed. You know, I'm no, I'm no fan of Lincoln, you know, Uh, (laughs) I, I know a lot of that stuff is, is, is crap, but it'll be my job as a parent. Like, like I was kind of seeing it as all these people send their kids off, but they're not taking the responsibility Mm. of, of actually teaching their kids themselves. And I, I do think that that's still a decent way to go although as as we're in a really current 2022 climate right now with all this this trend particularly the trans stuff it's it's really got me knotted up i i don't know where i'd be at with that at this point but what i would say is a word of encouragement is that homeschooling is not it's not as overwhelming as it could seem um you know, we, we really adopted the, the adapted to the term of uh, unschooling versus homeschooling. Uh, it's not about, it's not about lessons, plans and sitting down and doing things. It's about engaging, just being engaged with a human being all the time and treating him. I treat my son, he's eight years old and I treat him more like an adult than a lot of people treat 18 year olds. Wow. Um, because we just have, we just, I just talk to him. If he's, if he's doing something stupid, I tell him he's doing something <laughs> that I disagree with. I don't even tell him it's stupid. You know, I don't, I don't yeah. yell at him. I don't demean right. him. Um, you know, an example of this is I was doing some repairs on the house the other day and he was like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to get ahead of you and do that. And he immediately took a nail and went up to the siding of the house and was about to put a nail in the yeah. side of the house. And I was like, Oh, you can't do that. And he got pretty upset with me. You know, he's saying, well, what am I here for? And I'm like, well, I need your help. I need you to hand me stuff. What's the point of this? I'm not doing anything if I'm just handing you stuff. And yeah. I explain that, well, yeah. when you're handing, you'll see what I'm doing. And if you do that enough times, then eventually it'll be you that's doing the thing. And maybe I'll be handing you stuff. Right, right. But that didn't sit well with him either. And he said, <laughs> and this is and this is where I didn't call him stupid because he's not. He said, fine, I'm going to start my own handyman repair business. And, uh, and I'll be doing, I'll be making all this money and you'll be so sad that you don't have me with you. And he went and he built a sign and he put it out in the front yard that says, that says handyman repair service inquire within basically. And, uh, and, and he put that out there and, you know, I think most dads would say, you can't do that. You can't put that out there. Do you realize that you don't have the tools, the ability? And I could, I could tell him 10 ways from Sunday, why why that just doesn't make sense. You little eight year old, you know, (laughs) or whatever. But instead I go, you know what? Cool, man. Like, yeah, be mad at me and go do that. I'm it's a proud father moment, right? That you're being entrepreneurial in in response to, to this. And, you know, I mean, no one, I, I I feel pretty confident that no one's going to pull over and and ask, (laughs) ask for, for repair service. But if they did, I think you'd quickly learn that, Oh, I'm in over my head. 
mm-hmm. someone asked me to paint their house, I don't have paint or brushes, you know, right. like every, I'd have, he'd have to ask me for everything. It would end up being mostly right. my job and he would be handing me stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Dude, that's a beautiful story. Oh, thanks. Beautiful man. story. It, uh, it really is a, it's a proud father moment, you know, just that yeah. that's the response. Awesome. <laughs> if that's, if that's what I deal with when I was, you know, 15 years old, I was so rebellious. I, I, you know, I would have used the word hate all the time with yeah. my parents. Like I, I hate my parents and this and that. If he says that about me, he says, I hate my dad so much that I'm going to go start my own homestead. Right. I'm going to be like, awesome. Like, <laughs> It would be easier. I, I might encourage him, hey, it'd be easier to just do it here on the property yeah. that we already own. Right. But right. you know, like, like, I don't know. That that kind of a concept makes me makes me happy to think could could be that's, in the future. That's an amazing dude. That's seriously an awesome story. You find another eight-year-old that went that's in public schooling that thinks like that, you'll be very far. You won't find them. You yeah. won't you won't yeah. find them. Yeah. I don't I wasn't there. So I'm telling a secondhand story of him, but, uh, my wife was with him at a potluck with our freedom cell and, uh, okay. and, a and a guy who's in our freedom cell, like they were talking and, and the eight-year-olds over there and he was saying something. I don't remember what she said he was saying, but he, he walked away and our friend looked at Lanny and he was like, he was like, uh, um, no, what did he say? He, he's like, he's like, what do you think it would be like if he was in public school? you think his teachers would just hate him? <laughs> and, and she was like, yeah, I think they would. Cause he's so inquisitive. He has a million questions about That's amazing. everything. Amazing. And he was like, I, I, I guess he looked at her and he said, I think that he would drive a teacher to violence. I think he really would. <laughs> Good. And it's, Good. and it's so true. Cause they don't, they don't put up with any of that. No. They don't put up with any of it. And especially when he also might say something like, yeah, but teacher, I don't think they went to the moon. I yeah. think that, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, cause he was, I, I don't right. hold anything back from him. He gets to hear everything I have to say. Yeah. I, I'm a super open-minded guy and I make that really clear to him that I don't know any answers. I don't know if we went to the moon or not, but here's my reasons that I don't think we did. Mm-hmm. How do you think you would approach things like that? If you had a, Dude, that's uh, son or daughter. That you that's were the, to. the tough question, isn't it? Because like, see, your your kids at home school, you know, there's so many variables. But like, I worry if I tell them what I believe and what I've learned, will that it's like this. And that's like the similar thing too with like this Disney plus, like it's like this damned if you do damned if you don't. So you you say, all right, you know, they're pushing propaganda on my kid. No Disney plus. They're watching Veggie Tales day and night. That's it. Well, your kid, if they're at school, they are going to be this like left out because they don't, they have, they don't watch Marvel movies or whatever it may be. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a awesome. It's a, again, another perfect storm. Like, what do you do as a parent? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what you do. It's uh, that's, that's rough. I mean, that's like, I think about it all the time with, um, you know, like the moon landing is a really good example of, of yeah. Like, what would I be doing if he was in, if he, cause like I used to like the model I was proposing for the first five years in my head was that I would just teach him the real stuff at home. If I teach him that, I don't think that we went to the moon at home after he learned, if he comes home from, you know, third grade and he's like, guess what? I just learned that in 1969, we took our first shot at the moon and we made it, you know, it was great. Perfect shot. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I could tell him, 
all the things that I think or, or, or just, you know, briefly or however it comes out, would I then attach to, to whatever I just said to him? Now, don't tell your teachers. Mm. Don't tell your teacher that I thought this because you're going to have a hard time. You know, the same way, like I would definitely, I, I use, I use a lot of foul language okay. um, and I, and, and, you know, I, I have to do this with him. You know, he hears me use, use bad words. Yeah. And then I have to say, Hey, grandma's here. She's not going to appreciate that. I'm not going to say that you can't say these words, but Ooh. know that if you get slapped on the wrist by her, that's because she doesn't want to hear you saying those words. You know, you, you can say them to me, you can say them to, to your grandma if you want, but just yeah. know that she's not, you're not going to, you're not going to get a cookie <laughs> if you yeah. use, if right. you use negative right. language. Um, you know, so would I be saying that to him about the moon landing or something to that effect at school? It's like, you can tell people at school this, but they're going to tell you you're wrong. And they yeah. might even tell you that your dad's crazy, you know, and they might say mean things about your dad and you can't fight them on that. Like they, that's, that is what they're going to think. And you just need to be like, okay with that. And probably better is just keep your mouth shut when they're teaching about moon landing and just be like, just laugh at everybody and maybe tell your friends like, yeah, like, Hey dude, my, Hey man, my dad's crazy. He doesn't think we did this like, you know, or whatever, you know, like put, put yeah. some seeds out there, but yeah. Um, but you know, don't fight your teacher. I, yeah. I, I wouldn't recommend that, yeah. you know, <laughs> But see, that's so that's exactly like where I'm at. Like, you know, I, I luckily I have time. My goal is to be like you is to have a home. We're like in a suburb now. My wife's a nurse, um, but it's, it's something I think about all the time, dude, because you, you're exactly right. Your kid, you even if you say like probably wouldn't bring that up to your teacher, it's going to eventually it's going to happen. And you are going to either make a harder life for your kid because he everyone's gonna be like, damn, his dad's insane. Or, you know, I don't know what the, the win is, you know, except that you're telling the kid the truth. Mm -hmm. It's difficult. Yeah. Even difficult. That's uh, that type of stuff is why we started this podcast, you know, to, to explore concepts like that. Um, I haven't, I, we haven't talked to anyone who's exclusively like a flat earther yet with yeah. kids, but yeah. I really want to talk to flat earthers with kids and see how they, what what do they teach? I don't I don't know. How do how do you feel about Earth well, Shape? Do you have I a... saw Owen Ben you watch you kind of remind me of Owen Benjamin. You got the oh, beard. <laughs> yeah. But uh and I you know I like oh he's he's got his I like he's a good I he's whatever. Owen. He's yeah, great. I think he's a good guy. I mean, you know, we don't all have to agree on everything, it doesn't matter. But Owen, I think he teaches his kids that. And I often wonder, I say, damn, is that what it, I want to see how this turns out? Like what happens to see there is an amazing move and these kids are going to believe them or at some point propaganda is going to weasel in. They're going to rebel. They're going to say my dad's insane. I, it'll be interesting. I get that's what is the fear, right? It's like an experiment because we don't we haven't done this in hundreds of years. So, yeah. How does yeah. it work in 2022? You know? We'll see where it all goes, <laughs> <laughs> but it can't be worse than the alternative. That's the one reach. It can't, there's no way your kid, your kid's not going to be chopping off his appendage. Right. Meanwhile, being cheered on to do this won't be flooded with 
soy chemicals and whatever else propaganda on a diet of artificial everything. Right. That's the, that's the real scary. And, and, or, or if he doesn't want to chop off an appendage, be demonized for being a a toxic masculine guy, right? you know, or what it's, I feel like it's such a lose, lose situation for totally. I was going to say kids, but it's such a lose, lose situation for everyone, right? Everyone. That's why we all need to turn in towards our own families and strengthen that. Have more. I, I think that having a strong spiritual direction is also an important key to everything. Yes. I don't. I don't have too much of an opinion on what that spiritual direction is, but recognize that something, something beyond ourselves, something is is uh, gonna uh, gotta change. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Dude. Absolutely. No. Well, it's. Should we wrap up on that note? Yeah. Yeah. You got, dude, any, this you was... got any uh, final uh, white pills or anything <sighs> like that that you want to spew out? Or... I think we're both probably on a similar. It's the way to win is family. Dude, that's it. That's the, yes. that's our best weapon and our probably one of our only weapons. Don't join a militia group. Probably <laughs> not what I'd recommend. That's not yeah. how you win. That's a, that's but... a good, good point of advice. I'd say, <laughs> but a good group of community that you guys share farming or whatever an innocuous thing that is and you build these strong ties that's that's the best weapon and that's why they're trying so hard to stop so that's my positive outlook all right you want you got anything you want to plug yeah so you guys i have a a podcast it's like his history and uh it's not too like crazy i'm not talking too much about reptiles or usually historical (laughs) events so if you like that i read books and I'll essentially give you the, the outline of the book, but it's conspiracy or just a coincidence and uh, any on YouTube, anywhere you listen to podcasts. I got to say, I, I, I do. I love your podcast. Oh, uh, I love when I love when you get into stuff about Masons and things <laughs> like that. Um, we've yeah. you've you uh, a somewhat recent episode about some Luciferian uh, Masonry image. Uh, yeah, definitely has me. The next rooster that I name is going to be named Lucy. <laughs> Without I love it, dude. I love it. I love yeah, it. I, yeah. As soon when you were talking about the, all of that, it was like, oh, I mean, as soon as I started, I, I, I almost got ahead of you in my own head. Like, yeah. it's like, oh yeah, the rooster is Lucifer. It's yeah. the morning light, you know. Oh, it was, right. It was great. Yes, I, I love those rabbit holes you go down. I yeah. encourage anybody Thank to you. check out your podcast. It's it's Thanks, awesome. John. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me on, dude. I love talking to you. So we got we'll talk again. All right. Well, have a good night. Hey, dude. See ya.